Hello, lifters, and welcome to Raising the Bar. I am on with Jessica Cahoy, nationally ranked Olympic weightlifter, CrossFit athlete, and mama to be. Thank you so much for being on with me today. Thanks for having me. Can you uh, tell your listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do? Yes, yeah. So, um, Jessica Cahoy, you may know me know me formally as Jessica Griffith. I recently got married last July and loved making that transition to my husband's last name because I've wanted to be married my whole entire life. <laughs> uh, but I actually started my career as a nurse. I graduated college in 2013 and I worked as a nurse for five years. Um, simultaneously, when I graduated college, I also that's also when I found CrossFit. And so for the first five years of my nursing career, um, I kind of had this parallel life with CrossFit. The further I got into my CrossFit career, the more I kind of realized that um, what I was doing at work didn't necessarily align with uh, my perspectives on just overall health and wellness. Um, public health care can you know, be heavy on the pharmaceutical side where CrossFit and health and fitness is more like, let's you know, change our diet and our exercise habits to heal these chronic or prevent these chronic problems. And I kind of just felt myself in a little bit of like a moral battle and dilemma um, living these like two separate lives almost. And so in 2018, I was able to put my nursing career down. I had been doing some nutrition coaching on the side for a couple of years and now, um, far enough into my CrossFit career where I'd been to the games a couple of times. Um, I was able to put my nursing career down to pursue CrossFit training full time. Um, in the meantime, I did keep up on my nutrition coaching business just to make a little extra money on the side. Um, and I did team a couple of times. I went individually a couple of times and fast forward to 2021. I got, I actually got married a week before the games. Oh my gosh. No stress. We got, <laughs> yeah. We got aged and married in the same week, which was so much fun. Um, he's, I've actually known him for years, you know, searched to and fro the whole world for my husband. And he was under my nose the whole time, of course, you know? Um, but we, yeah, got engaged and married in the same week. And then I went off to the 2021 games to have my final season of competing individually. As of right now, you know, I never say never because you never know what can happen. Absolutely. But at this point in my life, I do feel like it was the last time I'll be on the floor individually competing. And from there, my husband and I have launched our now online fitness business. I do still have the nutrition coaching, um, but we have an app called Valor Strength and mm -hmm. we do online. We have uh, nine, almost 10 different programs ranging from CrossFit style to at home to like strength specific, body specific, booty, abs. Um, and we have just like taken life by the horns and now just doing this online fitness training and kind of, he, he's the one that does the Olympic weightlifting. And so we've really just taken everything we've learned over the last 10 years of nutrition, my nursing career, he worked in the supplement industry and then CrossFit and weightlifting. And just, we just want to like bring that all together and just make an online platform where people can come to ask questions pertaining to any of those things. So that's me in a very quick nutshell. <laughs> 
Well, definitely uh, doing all of the things, that's for sure, and doing them very well from what it sounds like. Um, so kind of going back to like how you got into CrossFit, I mean, there's so many different, um, you know, training styles available. There's so many different, you know, athletic sports that you can compete in. What about CrossFit really drew you in? So it's so funny because, and this is what I love about my story, because I do feel like it's relatable to so many people. I was not like your um, first string athlete. I was not your starter. I was not varsity. I, I was a very, very good cheerleader. And uh -huh. like I did 15 backhand springs down the basketball court, like loved that. But I was never like, you know, like volleyball, basketball, like never really athletic in those kinds of sports. Right. And so when I, but I was always active. I, like I said, I love cheerleading. I did do track and I like dabbled in every sport, but I, again, never your starter, usually JV, um, but always interested in just being active. I always, you know, found myself going on runs on my own time and just all throughout life, you know, loved fitness. Um, when I graduated college, I had just spent four years like grinding through nursing school. Anyone who's been through nursing school or any kind of healthcare practice knows how hard it is. And I graduated and nurses only work three days a week. And I'm somebody, as you can probably tell from my little intro, is I just love being busy. I love, you know, from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., I want to be doing something productive. And so when I had all this free time with my new three-day-a-week career, I had a lot of free time. And I had a friend at the time say, I think you should try CrossFit. I think you would really like it. And so I went to the CrossFit gym and just loved it. Like, and you hear this happen so many times. You just like get the CrossFit bug. Yeah. Um, yes. And so from there, it's, I mean, things took off pretty quickly relative to most people's careers. Um, I was competing at the games on a team a year and a half or two years into starting CrossFit um, I do come from a strong line of strong genes. My both sides of the family have awesome muscle mass. Um, so I was very strong naturally, and that was very helpful. And then being a cheerleader, I did have that gymnastics background too. So between the strength and the gymnastics component, things just came quickly to me, which was very exciting. Um, but at the same time, I was putting in so much work, you know, I'd I'd get off a 12 hour night shift at 7 a.m. The CrossFit gym wouldn't open till 9 a.m. I'd go to the hospital gym and do, you know, what I could there till the CrossFit gym opened at nine. And then I'd go do CrossFit from nine to noon, go to bed and sleep till four and then go work another night shift at the, like I'd only sleep four hours and go work another night shift. Like yeah. I just, I loved it um, and worked really, really hard at it. But again, like, coming from someone who wasn't always the all-star athlete I I just like I think there's two kinds of people in the world people who are like naturally gifted and people who work hard and yep. I think I was work hard kind of person <laughs> I am exactly the same I, I was not gifted with any type of athletic gene whatsoever <laughs> I'm the uh, only athlete in my family actually really so, yeah um just started his lawnmower is that can you hear that no not at all okay no we're I guess good I can go inside. Just let me know. No worries. Um, so 
definitely having like the combination of like the endurance component with cheerleading and gymnastics and then you know uh, pairing that with the weight aspect i mean i think crossfit athletes are so well rounded to be able to have that much endurance and have that much strength at the same time is crazy like i've tried crossfit before and, and done a couple of the workouts and you know being a competitive power lifter like we do one maybe two reps and then we rest for five minutes <laughs> and so you know my heart rate was sky high i was like oh how do these people do this but you know, uh, the funny thing is, it's like people think that competitive athletes, of, you know, of any kind, powerlifting, weightlifting, whatever, that that's all that they do and that they don't have regular lives and they don't have regular jobs, but it's all about creating that balance. Like you were talking about. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and people, you know, don't really realize that it's like, you see all these CrossFit stars with these awesome careers and you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg, but like lots of these athletes do have real jobs or families. Like mm -hmm. I, some of the top athletes, you know, there's a handful of them that are just training, but a lot of them do have side gigs that they have to keep up on, you know, just to make ends meet and make this dream come true, you know? Absolutely. So that's, you know, respectful too. Absolutely. So from the time that you started CrossFit to your first CrossFit game, what was that time frame like? And what was the turning point that made you realize you wanted to go to the games? So I started in August of 2015. I did my first competition that October. So just two months in, it was just an oh in-house competition. Gotcha. And so from there, we, I went to regionals in 2014 to spectate. So that was probably May. So August to May. And that was my first exposure to like anything to do with the CrossFit games. Like I was still so new and learning the process. Are you sure that's okay? Yep, I can't hear it at all. Um, he's power washing. <laughs> and so I went to regionals in 2014 to spectate and I watched Elizabeth Akinwale snatch 200 pounds, like watching Stacey Tovar and, you know, just these like really strong, awesome, powerful females. And I was like, I can do that. Like, I, I think I can do that. And was just so inspired by those girls out there. Um, and so I went home and then it was the following year 2015 that we were able it was a six-man team at that point three guys and three girls we were able to put a team together at our gym so it was really getting inspired at regionals in 2014 and then taking the next year to really train and then we took a team to the games in 2015 so what was the shift like in your training from just doing it recreationally to doing it competitively I think I kind of hit the ground running like I probably trained recreationally for a week you know when I started and then was like again I just had the time and the gym was a really fun place to be I had I went to a private college and none of my girlfriends lived in town so I was kind of like starting a whole new life with my new career and um you know just in finding new social circles and like finding who I was and so the gym was kind of you know my new place to be and I went there. I loved it. There was a lot of people my age there, including, you know, my husband. Now we started CrossFit right along around the same time. Um, and so I, I pretty, I started double sessions, like within the first month, you know, when I wasn't working my 12 hour night shift, but starting double sessions, like pretty soon into starting CrossFit period, I just, I was so passionate about it from the start. So I think once I probably saw the girls at regionals, um, 
we did head programming and how like, you know, a lot of CrossFitters have like competitive programming that they follow. Right. And I think people kind of learn that as they go in their careers, as did I, I did it for seven years and used a ton of different competitive programs. Um, but starting out, we just had in-house programming that our gym owner, he was a part of the team. He would program for us. Um, but I think seeing the girls at regionals and, and it's cool. Regionals is cool because you can go home and do those workouts and realize, or the, even the CrossFit open, you realize like if, when you're competing against everybody else in the world, you realize how bad you are, like very humbling experience. And so I think just seeing what those girls were capable of seeing where I stacked up on the leaderboard, probably in the CrossFit open in 2014, um, that probably was like, okay, like, but it was fun. It wasn't like a chore because I just enjoyed it so much. So I didn't mind spending all that time training. Cause I was just like, this is so fun and progress is, you know, ring muscle ups took me forever, but everything else, like, <laughs> I feel like that's the case for anybody. <laughs> five years, like those freaking things. I, it took me that long to feel like I could say I'm good at these, you know? Yeah. Um, Not but great, but we'll take good. <laughs> I'm sure at this point you have it now. Well, I, I did when I finished my career. I haven't done a ring muscle up probably since August. One, because there's just a couple movements that I don't want to do since I'm not competing. And I actually, I love ring muscle ups, but you, you know when you just don't have to do something? Like yeah. if you were higher power lifting, you're like, I'm probably never going to max my bench ever again. Like that just doesn't, you know. Like. That's exactly what I would say. <laughs> That's exactly what I would say. That's, that's so funny. So, um, when you were going into your very first CrossFit game, like you got there, you saw the the floor, you saw all the other competitors, like what was going through your mind at that point? So this is actually like such a vivid memory to me. It was, was, um, so back in 2015, the CrossFit game drought in Carson, California, which was such a cool, like to make it to Carson was like, just freaking awesome. And they had like a welcome dinner party at the Marriott Hotel. It was like, you know, all the cool athletes and all the sponsored athletes stayed at the Marriott Hotel. And we were staying in some cheap hotel that we could afford, you know, 20 miles away. So you roll Marriott and it's all decked out in Reebok CrossFit. And there's posters of athletes that you admire everywhere. And there's you walk in, there's lights and fountains. And we go out to the back and it's this beautiful um, just kind of like yard, like the back of the hotel where they would host, it's like a outdoor venue, essentially, where they were hosting all of the CrossFit Games athletes, teams, and individuals. So all the athletes that I've been following for the last two years are literally like in this yard with me. And we're all, and that's the first time any of us had been to the games and we're all just like jaw dropped looking around, like, these people are actually real and we are actually like on the field. And that was just awesome. Um, just like a very, uh, like, wow, we made it kind of moment, you know, Yeah. Um, just being in the back that year was like team NorCal was super popular and it was like Miranda Oldroyd and mm-hmm. all those like Jason, uh, John a blank. Um, anyways, um, Jason Kalipa, sorry, I should know that. Um, just like those guys, like just being in close proximity with them. And so um, Miranda Oldroyd, like she was on a team with Molly Ballmer and just to be like in the corral next to them because our team did really well. Um, 
we were like fifth going into the final day. So we're like rubbing shoulders with all these amazing athletes. And just to be like rubbing shoulders with people who have inspired your journey was like, this is amazing. And so I think any competition where you're in that kind of environment, like just sparked so much more inspiration of like, it doesn't matter how you do, you were in that scene and it just like sparks this fire to like go home and want to train even more because you can't believe what just happened. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely lights the fire for sure. Yeah. So when you get onto the floor in a competition, are you just like tunnel vision as to like what you need to do? Are you still very aware as to what everyone else is doing around you? Do you hear the crowd or do you just like black everything out and just focus? It's been like a very awesome progression because when, you know, I, I competed at the games, I think five times, whether on a team or individually, and it was really a progression through my career. Um, when I started, you're so nervous, you're mm-hmm. feel like you want to vomit before a workout, um, team or individual, you know, individual is so scary, especially your first time, at least on a team, you've got, you know, five, three to five other people out there with you that you can kind of like hide (laughs) individually. You're like, man, I'm in my own lane, just me with nine other girls on the floor. Like that was very scary, but the more I competed, I mean, I couldn't, I don't even know how many competitions I've done at the top level between the team and individual competitions. And I did get to a point where like in 2021, my final season, it was like, okay, like, just another competition and just event. And I, and you do get to a point where, you know, you're capable of running with these girls, which is a very, like, it's a very humbling feeling and like such a feeling of satisfaction because you've worked so hard for so many years. Um, And that feeling only comes with putting yourself in the uncomfortable situation of competing alongside those girls it took many competitions to get to that place and many failures to get to that place. Um, but by the time 2021 rolled around, you're friends with these girls, you've like, not just see them at competitions, but your friends outside of the sport. So you're literally out there on the floor with your girlfriends, just having fun. Um, it does depend like my, so the semifinal that qualified me for the games in 2021, it was, it, I, qualified by a tenth of a second it was like the closest margin in CrossFit history they say of qualifying um that event was definitely stressful you know like (laughs) I I bet who were you up against (laughs) cried going into that event um but for the most part um cry you know I cried like with like nervous nerves you know um but for the most part I did get to a point in my career where I could like really soak up, you know, you feel your body moving, you're not blacked out, like, you're able to, like, really take in what's going on around you, and find your family in the crowd, and which is, it's a fun, it takes, again, takes a lot of work to get to that point, Absolutely, Um, just a lot of, like, putting yourself in that vulnerable situation, but to get there is, like, such a rewarding experience. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah, going even now when I compete and I've been competing for quite a few years now, I still will black everything else out. Like the <laughs> only thing that I see is the barbell. The only person yeah. I hear is the head ref calling the commands. Other than that, yeah. I don't see the crowd. I don't hear my family yelling. I don't hear my friends yelling. Yeah. And like after I lift, they're always like, oh, you know, did you hear me screaming out there? I was like, nope. <laughs> I 
didn't hear a thing. Just solely focused on the two things I need to worry about, which is the bar and the yeah. rep, and that's it. So that's funny. Like I, it's never changed for me. It was like that on my first meet. It's like that now. And I do, I do think everyone's a little bit different. Oh yeah, of course. Maybe like when I went to the games, I finished, you know, bottom of the pack every time. So maybe I wasn't taking it as seriously as I should. <laughs> well, now, now you're the CrossFit athlete that other women aspire to be. So, <laughs> um, from like taking all of the experiences that you've had over CrossFit and things that you learned, how would you say that has like translated into other aspects of your life? Um, I think just going back to like, don't ever let someone tell you that you can't, mm -hmm. um, like not coming from necessarily the, a gifted background. Like I just freaking worked my butt off and I mean, you can do whatever you put your mind to there. I mean, I had friends in college that followed me through my CrossFit career that were also in the CrossFit space. And in particular is Brenton Rogo. He's a MC mm -hmm. at a lot of events. And he was like, if you asked me in college, if you were going to be a CrossFit games athlete, like I would say, hell no, like, absolutely, <laughs> and not against me, just like, you know, you see these really strong, powerful girls and that's just not who I was in college. And so all that to say, like, you know, don't ever put a ceiling on yourself and don't ever tell you if you are passionate about something, like put your nose to the grind and, and give it a shot and don't let anyone tell you you can't. And if there are people in your circle or life that you feel like are putting a ceiling on you, like step away from them and keep yeah. going. You know, yeah. I, I did have to do that a lot in my career and it's unfortunate, you know, to sacrifice some of those relationships. But, you know, when there's, now that we're at the end of the road, I, I don't regret anything that has happened, you know, because I was chasing a dream and that was like, it's been absolutely incredible. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, that's really like, that's like the biggest takeaway from my career. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people can definitely relate to that. And, you know, like I said, I don't come from an athletic family at all. And in college, I honestly, I did not start competing or get into training at all until I was after college. I, I didn't play a single sport in high school or college. And, you know, when I found the weight room and absolutely fell in love with it and just, you know, found how naturally strong I actually was to my surprise, honestly, and then yeah. being able to like strategically train that way and see what I was truly capable of, like that translated into every single aspect of my life and just building that confidence in the gym, like gave me more confidence in my career. And then also switching careers, you know, later on in life than what most people do. And, you know, having all of these shifts and being able to navigate that a lot easier. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. Um, now with Olympic lifting versus CrossFit, a lot of people get these confused. They think it's the same thing and it, it very much is two different things. Um, so with CrossFit, obviously you do the Olympic lifts, but have you like really dove into the Olympic weightlifting side or did you say that was your husband? That was my husband, which awesome. I, I have observed all of that and he has invited me to go do that. But I'm like, that is so boring. I will literally get so bored so quickly. So absolutely. Thank you. I'm flattered, but absolutely not. <laughs> Just not for you. Um, and, and that he's, he has transitioned from Olympic weightlifting into CrossFit now, hasn't he? Yeah. 
he started with CrossFit. He tried Olympic weightlifting and did um, place nationally. And now he gave what watching me compete in 2021 kind of gave him the bug to go back to CrossFit and try that again. So he did try this past year to make a comeback. And our deal was you can do this, you know, cause he was training six hours a day, twice a day. Mm-hmm. And our deal was you can do this as long as you're in the qualifying process. But as soon as you're, you know, you haven't, you're not proceeding to the next round as far as the qualification process goes, you know, time to be married and, you know, start the new chapter of our life of starting our business and all of that. So he made it through quarterfinals or he made it to quarterfinals. And I think he was like top 500. So he did not advance to semifinals. And that was his time to be like, okay, we both had successful careers. We loved what we got to do. Um, so now we're both casually finishing and doing what we want. And it is literally so great. <laughs> yeah, that is really nice sometimes, honestly. Yeah. I, I feel like it would be so much easier for a CrossFit athlete to transition into Olympic weightlifting than going the other direction. Would you agree? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And he is like a solid 240 pounds. And like, I'm a nutrition coach. I did everything to try to get him to lose weight. And like, I think he was in weightlifting for three years and his muscle mass is just so dense. He would literally have to stop eating protein and not lift a weight for like six months to lose any weight. Like, like he went from training Olympic lifting to doing six hours of CrossFit a day in a caloric deficit and did not lose any weight. Like it was wild. He sounds like me. (laughs) Maybe you and I can talk later sidebar about uh, nutrition. Um, But, but that's actually a really good segue because, and before we started recording this, we were talking a little bit about performance nutrition and how people often confuse like weight loss nutrition and performance nutrition, how they're two very different things. Can you speak to that a little bit? I can speak, you know, the whole podcast for hours. (laughs) So you know, being a nutrition coach and being in the CrossFit space, a lot of my client, you know, my clients are drawn to me because they're CrossFitters and my following is primarily CrossFitters, um, regular people as well, or people that do other things. Um, but I have this conversation all the freaking time because there is like, there's a couple different perspectives that people have. And I think society has kind of like skewed us on like what the right answer is. Mm-hmm. There's really no right answer, but just kind of like providing clarity for these people. So foremost, if you want to be a competitive CrossFitter, your body fat cannot be, it sh- probably shouldn't be under 10%. Right. Here's the issue with that is you get these people who are inspired by these top level athletes and they see all of these highlight pictures on Instagram of these athletes mid-workout with the pump with the abs, with the veins running up their bellies and in their biceps and, you know, whatever. And they're like, I want to look like that. And they think, and like, because the pump is so real, it like makes those athletes appear like their body fat is 7% mm-hmm. when really more to like 15 to 20, they just have a good workout pump. That's always my first conversation with people is they're like, I want to be ripped. You know, I want to have abs, which is all great. But this is coming from someone who has done both. Like I thought you had to look, when I started my career, I thought you had to look ripped to be good at CrossFit, which is like true to some point. But when I was, I'm five, six. And in 2017, I, I thought I was supposed to weigh 139 pounds. 
I competed at 20 in 2021 and was the best athlete I ever was at 155 pounds. Like it was muscle and fat, but a lot of it was like my, all my maxes were pretty much the same between 2017 and 2021. A lot of it was like extra body fat. And if you look at pictures, like I was so shredded in 2017 and I was kind of chunky in 2021 competing. So my first thing to speak to as far as like nutrition and performance is like if you want to be a top level crossfit competitor you need to get out of your head that like this low body fat shredded thing is real there are a couple athletes who do have a low body fat but again coming from someone who has done both sides of it i qualified for the games at 139 like i was a great athlete but I was a better athlete when I had more body fat on me. So not to say it's not doable, but I, I don't think you're reaching your potential if you don't have those extra percentages of body fat on you. If you want to be a, someone who's training six plus hours a day, competing along the best in the world and at competition, doing high intensity workouts back to back. Um, the other thing, my other favorite topic to talk about is like, this misconception of, I want to look lean. So say we'll use my height, five, six, a girl who's five, six, wanting to look lean and tone. And at, like a lot of comments I get is I want to look like I work out. We hear that all the time. Great. But a lot of these girls are like, and, and males too, they don't realize that you need a little bit of muscle mass to have that lean and toned look. Absolutely. So they, yeah. So they think that they have to weigh 139 or lower 130, 125 pounds. And it's like, okay. So I always have my clients. Okay. I say, okay, you want your five, six, you want to weigh 125 pounds. Send me a picture of your fitness inspo. Who do you want to look like? I don't care how unrealistic it is, which gives me the opportunity to say, okay, this is, this girl is about your height. This is what you want to look like. She weighs 145 pounds because she has well-established muscle mass under her skin. Muscle is heavy. And my favorite analogy to use is, okay, we have two pillows in two different pillowcases. We have a Tempur-Pedic pillow and a pillowcase over here. And we have a feather pillow over here and a pillowcase. Your Tempur-Pedic pillow looks nice and smooth. It's really heavy. Like in the pillowcase, it looks really great. Your pillowcase over here it's got a lot of dimples in it. It's not very <laughs> like, you know, you can push on it and it, you know, it then moves. Yeah. Okay. Like this is the same thing with your skin and your muscles. Like if you want to look smooth and firm, you have to have well-established muscle mass. That's going to be a little bit heavier, like the Tempur-Pedic pillow. If you want to look, I say, you know, and I'm brutally honest with my clients. I'm an ER nurse and we don't sugarcoat anything. Right. I say, if you want to look sad and flabby, you can have, you know, the feather pillow and that's not what you're looking for. So we can't have that lightweight feather pillow under our skin if we're going for this lean and toned look. So all of that to say, um, you know, we could go also into like all these trendy diets that there are. Oh my gosh. I could talk about those for hours. <laughs> they're, painful. they're so painful. And there is a time and a place for some of them. There's a time and a place for keto. I fully believe if you have medical conditions that, you know, keto can cater to, to help. Sure. If you're enough to that, 
keto, I have seen keto work very successfully for some people. However, it's not in most people because when they're not disciplined enough to do that diet, it's a very, 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 the most strict diet of all of them, I think. And, and my issue with keto is like, if you go on any sort of caloric deficit, you're going to see that weight loss quickly. Right. Right. But it's, you know, after the three weeks that you're not doing keto correctly and you're just consuming all of this fat, but you're not in ketosis. So it's not metabolizing properly. Um, that people think, you know, another fad diet, like no carbs. And it's like, well, how are you going to get energy? I always say good workouts, make good bodies. So mm -hmm. let's for our workouts so we can have a good workout to produce a good body. Um, and that for most of my clients, that means a good portion of proteins, carbs, and fats. You want to make sure that you're eating at least your body weight. You're, you want to make sure you're eating at least your desired body weight. So if you weigh 300 pounds, but you should, your ideal body weight is 150 pounds. You should be eating about 150 grams of protein, give or take, depending on your coaching style or your, your goals. Um, with that being said, you want to make sure you're supplementing that with sufficient carbs and sufficient fats. You don't want your fats too low because then you run into hormonal problems. Right. You don't want your fat high because then you do have excess body fat that you're not looking for. Same thing with carbs. Again, we could talk about this all day long. <laughs> so when I was, uh, before I just exclusively started working with powerlifters and I was working with more with general population there's the, the whole diet culture mindset, right? Like less is better. You always need less carbs, less fat, less, this, less that. And that is absolutely not the case. And, and you could probably agree with this, that you run into these kinds of conversations more so with women than, than men typically, but, but carbs are not the devil. Fat's not the devil. The scale going up is not the devil. Like those are all, depending on what your goals are, those are all very good things. And, you know, especially when you're translating that into performance specific nutrition, if you're on, you know, too much of a caloric deficit, you're not going to have the energy to do what you need to in the gym and, you know, transitioning into, you know, more of athletic training and competition training, like the, all of those things are so key into performing at the gym. And one thing that I struggle with, with powerlifters now, especially like male athletes with powerlifters, there's this notion, like put on more size to lift more weight and do it in probably a not so healthy way, just like you know, shoveling in the calories to put on more body weight. So for, and I don't know if you work um, or have worked with any powerlifters in the past, but as far as like putting on healthy body weight, what would your recommendations be there? Oh gosh. I mean, this is, this is kind of hard because my specialty is CrossFit. You know, you listen to Matt Fraser's podcast. He talks about how he ate Snickers and yep. like powder in his training sessions. And so I do think there's a balance of how much you're burning and what you can, can put in your body. Um, I think the general vague rule of thumb answer to this question is like healthy carbs, rice, potatoes, um, like bread, like bread is not the devil. I hate when people can eat bread. It's like, no, I have a, I've had a bagel every day. <laughs> you know, I'm fine. Um, depending on your gluten tolerance, you know, and if you are tolerant, you know, there's potato bread, like bread is not the devil. Um, I don't get so much into like the anti-inflammatory stuff. And that is, if I, 
that's probably the next step in my coaching career is to get more um, educated on all of that. I do realize that that's a whole, you know, in my own practice, um, but that's, you know, a whole other topic, but, you know, fruits, veggies, rice, breads, potatoes, those are really my, my sources of carbs. And that's how I got my way up to 155. <laughs> yeah. And that's primarily what I eat too. And what I advise my clients to do as well. Um, but you know, within the sport of powerlifting, I, I think there's a big disconnect between health and strength. Um, like I said, a lot of these guys just, you know, pack in the calories to put on weight so they can move more weight, but like the long-term effects of that are obviously going to be very negative. So, you know, I'm trying to, you know, change the narrative that you can be both very healthy and very strong and still accomplish, you know, all of those goals in the weight room and on the competition platform that you have without, you know, eating pizza and nonsense every single day. So now the, the opposite, honestly, kind of is more of a challenge for a lot of powerlifters is when they have to cut weight to be more competitive in a lower weight class while still either maintaining or gaining strength. Yeah. Um, so that, that tends to be a little finer line. And where I find that a lot of people struggle is they try and do the weight cut too quickly and too close to their meet date. Yeah. Um, so what would your advice be there? So I did actually coach my husband through this. We were dating at the time. I, he had to make, I think it was a 12 pound weight cut and I helped for nationals and I helped him with that. And we did, I think we did it four weeks out. So we did have, you know, a good amount of time and he was able to make his cut or make his weight. I think for this is knowing, and this is something that just comes with time, but like learning your body to know, like, am I able to perform well in the gym and get through my training while eating this amount of calories. And so with Austin, you know, I was limiting, you know, his rice and his protein intake and, you know, cutting back in on all three of the macros, proteins, carbs, and fats, um, but also being mindful of what his performance was. And for him, he did uh, also do cardio during that cut. He would run, you know, I think he would do up to, I want to say 30 minutes, but that might be a little generous, but he did also add cardio during his weight cut. So between the caloric deficit, the cardio, he was able to hit, you know, and then just the spit, you know, the last two days you're spitting in a cup, doing your water. Right. Yeah. Um, but just knowing yourself, you don't want to take away from your training. And so just being mindful of that, you know, you know, when your meat's coming, you know, you at least have a month's notice. So you know, take that seriously. And mm -hmm. it kind of determines how bad do you want this? Are you willing to sacrifice two months, a month or two of, you know, and, and the timing of all that, I'm not as familiar with the timing for powerlifters and Olympic weightlifters. Of it's usually about like 12 to 16 weeks for a prep, depending on the athlete. Okay. Yeah. And so I think that just kind of determines like, how bad do you want it? You know? So Absolutely. And, you know, with the people who have been in the game for a while and competing for a while, like the nutrition aspect is just a part of being an athlete. Right. And it, it doesn't pose an issue, but I found with, with newer lifters, that tends to be where the struggle is when they're just trying to become competitive. Um, because it does impact every aspect of your life. You have to, you know, prioritize training and nutrition. You might have to say no to social events. You, you know, need to focus on your sleep and the recovery. 
and all of that takes a lot of strategic planning, not just within the training session, but you know, but all the aspects. CrossFit too, like it's, you know, you're, you're in the gym six hours a day, but it really is a 24 hour gig. Okay. If you want to be the best in the world, the best athletes in the world, their lives revolve around it. Their social circles revolve around it. And if you're not on board with it, you're not on board with them because they're not going to make you a priority in their life because, because of these goals that they have. And those are the sacrifices that these athletes make. And, you know, the lifters as well of like, it's not just an, in the gym gig. You're, it's, you're right. The sleep recovery. Mine was like Epsom salt baths, chiropractors, saunas, um, mobilized hours, mobilizing and stretching. Um, and, and, and then just staying on top of the hydration and the nutrition and going to the grocery store when you don't want to, because your cabinets aren't full with the right things. And like really just being so diligent and intentional about all of those things that optimize your performance. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that just, that just comes with the athletic mindset. So, yeah. and you either have it or you don't, and some people can learn it, but some people can't. <laughs> So um, I know that you said that you were going to be diving into like the anti-inflammatory education and incorporating that into your practice. Um, what else do you have coming up on the horizon that you hopefully can share? As far as nutrition or just anything in general? Uh, either nutrition or coaching, either one. Um, we're so excited. We are actually launching a competitive program June so June 6th, so ne- not this Monday, but next Monday. Um, we've had a lot of requests for that on our app. We have nine different programs right now, but they're all geared to like, we understand that not the majority of people are not competitors. The majority of people are almost intimidated by um, competitors. And, you know, we on our app currently cater to the general public. Our goal is to, I love making people who feel incapable feel capable. Like I want the old ladies with bad knees. I've got one of those right now. And like, I'm having her jump to a 20 inch box and that's so rewarding. Um, girls who, you know, girls and guys who are obese and don't feel like they can work out. I want to teach them how to like, no, just walk. And it's okay to just walk. So people with the mind battle, helping and encouraging them to recognize that they fitness is for anybody and with the proper anybody can fitness. So, um, that's what we've been catering to on our app. However, because, you know, my following is a lot of CrossFit people and a lot of people who are inspired by these top level athletes, we've had a lot of requests for a competitive program. So my husband has been um, formulating that and we are launching it June 6th. So that has been super exciting. Um, As far as nutrition coaching, I think, you know, um, oh, I I guess I have, you know, I'm pregnant. I'm uh, going into 17 weeks pregnant. So I am venturing down the prenatal fitness journey. Um, I, I have started a baby mama workouts, Instagram page, Yeah, you know, they're CrossFit style workouts, but just the month, you know, we're not supposed to stretch our abs and, um, you know, obviously not back squat, 250 pounds and, um, just the modifications that pregnant mamas need. Um, because something that women can't avoid in pregnancy is diastasis recti. And that's when your abs split apart to accommodate. And, um, some women, when they're not careful in their fitness during pregnancy, that tear, that opening can become much greater than 
what it needs to be because they're not modifying properly. So my goal is to take preventative measures to make sure that I'm managing my diastasis appropriately. Um, and so I've been going through learning that, um, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate and putting it on that baby mama workouts page. And then also the pelvic floor stuff. I think, you know, you see all these posts of like peeing during double unders or peeing during running is not normal. And right. it's a, the pelvic floor issue. So just learning, um, you know, I've never been pregnant before. It's my first pregnancy. And just um, now that I'm going through the process, it gives me a reason, you know, I've never had to learn this stuff before, but now that it's my own body, I always like to test things on myself before I implement it and put it on other people. I'm being my own guinea pig in this journey. <laughs> um, so just learning, you know, the diastasis stuff and then the pelvic floor stuff, that's been super fun. And nutrition through pregnancy, um, that's been really interesting. So yeah, there's, there's lots of things on the plate and I'm, my mind's always ticking of what can we do next? <laughs> That's so exciting. I can't wait to um, see that new program that you have launching in a couple of weeks. It's going to be really exciting. So, um, well, I appreciate having you on Jessica. It has been a pleasure. Um, the information and education you provided was invaluable for sure. Thank you. Yeah, you're Thanks welcome. For Thank you. So um, I'm going to put the um, Valor Strength information in the notes of this podcast so people can find you there. Um, and then I'll also put your Instagram. Um, are those the two best ways to get in contact with you? Yeah, it's Instagram DMs. I check those really often, either that or email, but I honestly check my DMs pretty often. So if you need to get a hold of me, my that's my inbox. DM me. Right. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll put all of that in the notes of this podcast so people can reach out. But thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me.